the Influencers Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm back with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be back face to face. Yeah, we were doing some of the, we did a Zoom for a few times. Oh my goodness gracious, yeah. Rocky didn't want to breathe the air I was breathing over. It was not that, it was your breath. (laughs) (laughs) I set myself up for that. Totally. Totally. Um, Well, we... uh, we had a couple great podcasts with our champions from the staff retreat, and yeah. uh, we had a we had a great week together. And uh, before we dive into our topic today, uh, you want to just comment a little bit about what you, you witnessed on our little staff retreat mm-hmm. we did. It, it's the first time our staff had all been together live, mm-hmm. uh, all together since COVID start. In yeah, a year That's over been a year. year. Mm-hmm. And and the other aspect of that is that we brought in, you know, our champions. Uh, not all of them, but some of them. Uh-huh. And uh, it's too bad we couldn't bring them all because we were, you know, limited in space. Uh, and and seeing this, Brian, you know, we all were birthed from the process of the um, intimate relationship that we found uh, through the journey. I found it as God downloaded it to me. I'd already begun abiding for that. It was just telling the story. But all of our staff and all of our champions have uh, grown up through the process that we hold dear, and that is the journey, which because it leads people to an intimate abiding relationship with Christ, provided that they will follow the process. Not everybody does. Not everybody reaches that places where, where they find something like they've never had before. And it's when we find that, which we've never had before, we understand uh, clearly what's missing in so many Christians' lives, if not everybody's lives. And uh, and we also understand, because this is key, and that is when we get to a place of understanding that, he does not let us just stay put with that. It's very important for us to reach back and make disciples. It is it is his plan. And, and so what we saw is the plan being <coughs> fleshed out where it has raised up these staff and these champions and so as we came together we were within with one in heart but we are also one in spirit the spirit of the lord and and we had all gone through this journey process meaning that we had all gone from where we were before we discovered and and entered into that intimate abiding relationship with christ and so we've shared the journey, so to speak. And even though most of these guys, we didn't know, you know, I mean, what, 20 years ago, yeah. we didn't know any of them. I didn't know any of them. I didn't know you. I didn't That's know right. Frank. I didn't know Les. I didn't, didn't know anybody. That's true. You Pete, that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now we've got all these other leaders that are being raised up. And, and by the way, that's an answer prayer uh, as as I began praying, and I know you've prayed as well, we all pray that God will continue to add to us leaders who have passion and heart and fire to want to make disciples and show them the things that they're being shown. 
And in being around those men, we saw the fruit of it, right? And what does that look like? Well, the fruit of it is obviously the fruit of the Spirit, that love and joy and peace. And so when you have guys like that together, they're not, they're not posturing against each other. You don't have walls because of competition. You don't have walls because of differences in locations. I mean, Yankees and, and Rebels get along pretty good in the relationship they have with Christ. Mm -hmm. We had them from Maine to Wichita to California to South Carolina to, you know, Arkansas uh, by way of Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and it breaks down all kinds of walls. And most of these guys were are all alpha male, oh, yeah. A type, triple A type personalities. Yeah, yeah. Very capable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them were very successful in yeah. business, or still are mm -hmm. successful, successful in business. Um, but uh, one of the guys, I think Andy from Maine, pointed out there's a difference. Though, yeah. there's a difference in these. Yeah, guys. he came in there first. Of all, he said, I, I don't like alphas. I didn't want to be around them. I, I, every time I see an alpha, I, I just say, "Get the heck out of here!" And I said, "Well, Andy." You're in a room full of alphas. How you get along with that? And then he said, uh, well, you're different. You guys are different because you're under the leadership of the Spirit. That's right. And so what does that mean? It means an alpha is yoked to Christ. When we abide in him, another metaphor he uses is take the yoke upon you. Mm. My yoke upon you. Learn from me. And and I love that because that's just another, another metaphor of abiding. Mm -hmm. But I like it a little bit different from this standpoint because the yoke yokes a wild beast and tames them and to make them obey to do what they do. Usually big large oxen or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah or an alpha. <laughs> or an alpha, that's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, but the, the personalities that are strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are people that are weak personalities. They, they, they get courage and other gets patience mm. because he brings us to the center of mm. Christ's likeness. Mm. And no matter where you start in your personality profiling or with you know your wounds and your experiences and your past, if we abide in him, then we begin to act more like Jesus. Mm. He, he, and this is what made it so beautiful. You had these different guys that were there all had come through this process of abiding, all understand the, the importance of it. And, and as we gathered together, we understood and, and have understood long, long that that is what our mission is as a ministry. And that is to get people in proximity with Christ. And through that, he has raised up leaders who propel this uh, ministry forward. Mm. And we were just seeing a little example of that. When we have our larger gatherings, we see even more. So, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, people always want to know why is it so special when we have a larger gathering of, and I think it is something about you get 300 men who are abiding in Christ in one room together. Mm -hmm. There's a power because uh, they're all bearing the fruit of the Spirit. They're all talking the same language. There's just a real glorification of God right in front of your eyes. Yeah. That happens. Well, Mike Hearn was uh, talking about that, actually, in our in our gathering down there. Mike is from Wichita, mm -hmm. our champion there, just doing a wonderful job there. He's gone through a lot of ministry, men's ministries through the years, but it's probably sampled all of them. Mm -hmm. Then he then discovered the journey, and he understood the, the rhythm uh, and, the, and the purpose and the focus that we have 
it resonated in his heart. He, he, and this is where it all starts. It starts within yourself before it can go out to anybody else. And he's done a really good job of raising up people around him who are now seeing the Lord as he sees them because they're abiding, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he made this observation. He says, you know, I have discovered that when I'm around abiding men and women, that I abide even more deeply mm-hmm. uh, in my relationship with the Lord. When he said that, what did you think about that? I really thought of the thing that we talk about all the time, which never gets old to me, is the marriage. You, you, you compared the journey when I first met you. You said, I can't explain it because I came out of like accountability group mm-hmm. models, you yeah. know, and and you, you know, you considered accountability group more of a horizontal model. It's all about let me compare myself to the other guy and see how I'm doing. Let me measure myself against mm. my brother mm. and let's hold each other accountable and make each other better. And you said it's a little different. You said the journey is going to be a vertical thing. It's not horizontal. And as as you and your brother start going vertical, all of a sudden it's like going up the, the sides of a triangle. Mm-hmm. You'll get closer to the tip, and all of a sudden you look and you're closer together. Yeah. And, and you said you won't even know it's happening, but it'll happen. And, and, and that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, it is, Brian. And, and let me expand that uh, thought on that model. And uh, I believe with all my heart that it is this concept that you've presented, and that is it. And you expand it, though, from a small group to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just say the body of Christ in America. Mm-hmm. And the body of Christ in America would be those that go to church and don't go to church. Um, but it would be, for sure, all the denominations, all the races, all of the different languages uh, of Christians that are, are typically separated by those things that that create walls, denominations, races, uh, political differences. And if we ever try to solve our issues horizontally, we're never going to do that. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a tit for tat. You say this about your position, I say this about my position, and we never, we never break down that wall. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. You just got human walls. You got. They're, they're, we raise them up for our, to feel safe. We raise them up because we've been hurt or wounded. We raise them up because we're suspicious. We judge people by their actions, where they judge themselves by their intentions, and we just intentions, and we never get beyond this horizontal focus on each other. But when you take that and you move it vertical, then those differences fall. Mm-hmm. And Brian, I believe with all my heart that the problems that we have with the racial differences in this country, with Christians who are, who are of different races, that those will not stand in the way of each other if our focus is vertically on Christ and those walls will break down. Yeah. And we will begin loving each other as Christ loves us and how he wants us to love each other as family. Be the same way with denominations. We have so many denominations that have stood in judgment over other denominations and said they're wrong and we're right. And man, we're wrong in the first place to ever think mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And when we get our eyes focused on on Christ together and we start moving that way, the denominational walls are going to break down. Mm-hmm. The political walls are going to break down. Those things that separate us and divide us because of our passion about a, a position becomes less of a passion about a position and more a passion about Christ. 
and then he starts loving through us and those walls are falling down. Mm. That's the answer. That's the answer for the church in this country. Mm. And uh, and it, it breaks my heart to see it on a small group basis. And in some cases, hundreds of people that we've seen that are meeting together and we see it with them, it breaks down those walls. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart that, that the body of Christ does not see that. And I'm praying that we one day will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the secret is one man at a time, one woman at a time abiding. And a, that vertical orientation. Yeah, yeah. We've just got to start moving our our heart and our perspective about the kingdom of God mm. and who we are. We're his kids. We're members of the royal priesthood, and, and we need to start acting and talking like it. Mm. And one of the ways we do that is the way we embrace each other. Just think of you as a father of, of, uh, of daughters. Yeah. Uh, if they are adversarial with each other, how does that make you feel? It breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you know that there's maybe a culprit in the group, but at the same time, you don't love that culprit any less. Mm-hmm. You just want that culprit to learn to understand your love for her, and then she begins to let your love for her filter into her love for her sisters. Mm-hmm. That's the story of the prodigal father, prodigal yeah. son. Right. And the one that stayed home. The father's heart is being broken here, right? Yeah. When we have these things in the body of Christ and we're so adversarial of one another, where do we get off on that, man? Mm. I mean, we're just a few ways from facing our king and the accountability that we have there. And when he says, did you love your brothers? Did you love your sisters? That's the one thing that Jesus said in John 15 at the very end. Love one another. That's right. He did. So anyway, you're getting me on my soapbox. No, no, I I, I love it. I, and I, I, Scripture's really clear that we're to love others, starting with the body of Christ, yeah. starting with our fellow believers. Yeah. I mean, that's those are the ones we're the hardest on of all <laughs> sometimes is our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So, uh, but when we when we start abiding, we start having the Father's love, like you said, mm-hmm. and you start giving people a break. You start you quit judging people. You start just letting God deal with whatever He needs to deal with, and then yeah. you, know, you worry about yourself. You know, one thing that uh, that I think was a breakthrough with me about loving my enemy was an individual who would I would say was an enemy, uh, and and he portrayed me and he hurt me. But God really had his uh, father-son talk with me about the grace he gave me and gives me and forgiveness he gives me and the love he gives me. And I began to understand that I got plenty of room in my heart to love now. Mm. Just reflecting on his love, I had plenty of room in my heart to give that love away unconditionally to this person. And I think that that's, that is the truth, is that God gives us a greater capacity to love the most unlovable people mm. because he loves us. And if we hinder that, then we're going to limit what he can do through our lives and what we can see. And, and this is what's happening in the body of Christ. We're hindering the ability of great things that God can do because of the way we treat each other. Mm, That's right. 
Well, you know, we we talked to we heard everybody's story when we were in our staff retreat, you know, and we you got a glimpse of who they were before, mm-hmm. and then you got to see afterwards, you know. And I think uh, you were you were talking to me about um, how Jesus had walked with his disciples, and then he was crucified, buried, and then he re- resurrected. Mm-hmm. They saw it. And then he gathered them. You know, he was around about 40 days. 40 days a lot yeah. of people don't realize. I didn't even realize that until yeah. not that long ago. 40 days after mm-hmm. resurrection, before he ascended and right, right. promised to return. But uh, there's that scene where he gathered with them and he gave us the, the what we call the Great Commission, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Let, let me read it. I just You were talking to me about this and it fascinated me. One key part. So it says uh, the 11 disciples, this is in Matthew 28, starting in uh, 16. The 11 disciples, of course, Judas was, he was gone. Uh, The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the plan mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people want to know, what's your plan with influencers? Yeah, yeah. There's the plan, right? Yeah. I mean, that, it's the same plan yeah. that's been around for 2,000 years. If we do it right, it's his plan. But talk to me about that a little bit. Well, it's very interesting. You know, we, we concentrate on the Great Commission, and that, and that's not a great suggestion, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's the Great Commission. Uh-huh. And um, But there's a part there that it's a little bit uh, bewildering, right? That he was around the 11. He had been with them for 40 days. He had eaten with them. He had done so many things with them. They were absolutely convinced. There were hundreds of people that saw him during that 40 days. After his resurrection. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They, you know, there were hundreds that gathered at Pentecost, you know, so we know that it was more than the 11. Yeah. But he had his his boys. Mm-hmm. You know, these were his guys. To gather around him right before he ascended, and he gave them the Great Commission at that time. But it says that some of them doubted. Now, when I read that, the first thing is like, you stupid idiots. How could you see all the stuff that you've seen in doubt, right? Uh That's the first thing we think about. And it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm wanting to know, what am I missing here? And so I kind of did a little bit of searching on that. And I came to find out that Actually, it, it's translated incorrectly to say doubt because that's the way in the English term when we think of doubt. Well, we think of, you know, we think that, hey, who is this? Or am I really, this really the guy type thing? It can't be true or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that that would be the misinterpretation that they did think that because I don't think they could think that after seeing what they saw. So I looked into it, Brian, and I find out that the Greek word that's used there actually is be translated as they wavered. Now, why is that different? Well, um, I asked the question, what would make them waver? Did they waver in their belief in Christ? No, I don't think so at all. I believe they wavered in their belief that they could carry out the Great Commission. Hmm. I think like most human beings, they would be saying, 
am I up for this? Uh, the Lord has talked about a lot about what's going to go on after this, and maybe I just ought to go back to fishing. Mm. Because I betrayed him, or I wasn't there for him. I'm not educated. I'm I'm an ordinary guy. And um, and and it's interesting that Jesus didn't address that. He just went ahead and gave him the Great Commission because he knew what was going to happen. And that's just a few days later. Then they were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they would be empowered. And then they would be convinced and they would be courageous and they would not waver. Mm. Yeah, the Spirit had not been given yet. That's right. That's right. But what does this tell me? What You know what it told me? Uh, I think uh, I think there were there were twelve disciples in that boat when Jesus was walking on the water, and there was only one of them didn't waver. That was Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, impetuous Peter! And man, for a moment he was man he was going. Oh, it was Peter. You did so good. Why did you waver? Why did you doubt? Why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you look at the anchor waves? For a moment, he was doing something that defied gravity. The next moment, he was sinking. But even when he was sinking, Jesus reached down and grabbed him, pulled mm-hmm. him out. Mm-hmm. So it could have been any of those disciples that were wavering and they were still thinking that they got to carry things out in the power of a man rather than the work of the Spirit through their lives. They just didn't understand at that time. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about how, you know, we have uh, tens of thousands of people that have gone through the journey and have life-changing experience. But, you know, hundreds, only hundreds, have been guides who've reached back and helped other people. And so I think one of the major reasons why they do it, and I asked that question even yesterday to a group of men, why do you think they do not do it? I asked, why do you think that these disciples doubted or wavered. Why do you think? And they they went from everything from whatever until I suggested, I think that the truth is they didn't doubt Jesus. They doubted themselves. Mm. And I think it's the case with a lot of people that do not reach back and help others is because they're they're intimidated. They, They doubt themselves that they are able to make a difference in other people's lives. They still think that they hadn't gotten it yet. They, they're still thinking that, who am I to be doing this? I've got so many bad things in my past. I'm still just learning about walking with Jesus. And they have this wavering that goes on until they break through. They step on the water and they said, but my wavering will not get in the way. I'm going to trust the Lord. And when they step into that journey group and they begin to guide, even though they were wavering and fearful in the beginning, he fills them with their, his spirit. And then they began to see, just like those apostles did, that if they'll step out and fulfill the great commission and be obedient to what their disciple, their, their, their teacher has taught them to do, Jesus Christ, then he will come and help them. Mm. I think that's the truth. That was relevant to me when I when I read that. That it's not it's 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 not a sin to waver. It's not. Uh, 
but it is an obstacle that should not stand in the way because we've got to step out and we've got to obey. And when we do, he will bless us with his help. Mm. Let me let me tie this back to John 15, which we always talk about, because that's our that's the famous abide in me yeah. passage. And uh, you you've shared this with me multiple times, but uh, you've caught people even in our ministries wanting to focus on the fruit mm-hmm. more than they focus on the abiding. Yeah. And what's the danger there tied into this concept of what Jesus is asking them to do? Yeah. Well, the concept is legalism. The concept is viewing God as loving us conditionally. He loves me if I'm good. He loves me if I'm better. He loves me better if I'm really doing good. So I want to be loved more, so therefore I try to do good and win his love. There's the danger. So if we're bearing a lot of fruit, I'm really loved by God. But if I'm not, then he, you know, I'm less. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a second great danger, and that is they emphasize or concentrate on bearing the fruit but they don't do so naturally. Hmm. They're trying to bear the fruit rather than Jesus bearing the fruit through our lives. That's what abide says, abiding in Jesus says. He's what he said. You abide in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you will not bear fruit. It's, it, it's, a, it's a reaction or result of abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would say, well, you know, if you bear fruit, you abide in Christ. No, 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 wrong. That's not what Jesus said. Hmm. We need to go back to who, who, who brought this up in the first place. That's what mm-hmm. Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Not what I say. It's what he said. Some people think, well, if I bear more fruit, I will abide more deeply. Well, wait a minute now. That Again, that goes against the whole concept that Jesus is saying, that fruit comes out of abiding. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, well, when does it happen? Is it immediate? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Depends on what kind of fruit you're talking about. Because there are several kinds of fruit. I'm still trying to get my head around it because it's amazing. I do know there's a fruit of transformation that occurs within the way we view life, the way we view other people, and the way they view us. Mm-hmm. Fruit of the Spirit comes to bubble up in our life. I, I do believe that. But it's not going to stay there because that person is now enabled to be a great influence on their world around them. He's going to use that influence. He's going to use them to pour through their life to other people. That's where fruit is born. Mm-hmm. And just like a tree that has to be, or a vine that is, has to be nurtured, uh, that fruit doesn't come immediately. It grows on the vine and eventually it matures, right? Mm-hmm. Same way with our abiding relationship. Abiding in him matures. Fruit matures in us. Some people have told me, said, well, they don't think that a person's a Christian unless they're bearing a lot of fruit. And I say, where do you get that? Because if that's the case, I, I would not have been a Christian years ago when I professed Christ, believed in him, but I was not abiding in him, and guess what I wasn't doing? Yeah. One bearing fruit. So there's like, a spe- like an abiding spectrum or something, but it's not for us to judge where somebody is on that spectrum. No. They're, they're in, once you're in Christ, you're, the abiding starts. Yeah. But, it, you know, God's got to work it out with the person. Yeah. And again, that fruit comes later. Yeah. But if it's going to be if it's going to be pure, and it's going to be right. And it's going to be from him. And, and the fruit comes from our surrender, yeah. not our work. Yeah. And that's a big deal right there. 
Yeah. And, and it's, you know, you were talking, we were talking about the alpha male types. People like that probably mm-hmm. have the hardest time because they know they can do so much. They think they can do so much on their own. They you know? do, but they're frustrated. Yeah. Because they realize they can't do it. And it's, it is, being one, I know, I know that, man, I just was frustrated all the time because I didn't think I could do good enough. I knew I wasn't good enough and I couldn't do enough. Mm-hmm. And every time I tried to think I could do this and make God love me, I realized what I don't do and why he would not love me. And uh, that's all part of that orphan spirit, you know, that you have. But then when I started abiding in him and, and just trying to fo- focus on that relationship and, and, and trust the other would come, the fruit began to be born without my knowledge, Brian. Mm. Really without my efforts and without my knowledge. I really I really haven't had that big an effort in trying to create influencers yeah. to form a ministry. Right. I don't do that. I just try to walk with Jesus and everything, the books and everything else, it, it just comes out of that. And that's how you can use a fisherman or tax collector or prostitute you know, woman at the well, you know, people that are the most unreasonable people that he would use to be able to do unreasonable things for him, for him and his glory. And that gives me comfort because that's the kind of guy he chose with me. And that's why I, I'm just probably the biggest advocate for helping the, the hurting and the downer and the down and outer and the one who is feels like they're worth is, is to give them great value by just showing them what, how God loves them. Mm-hmm. And giving them a vision of themselves, but showing them what can happen if they abide in Christ. Not, not the promised fruit, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a transformed life mm-hmm. that they're longing for. They're longing for that. They just don't know how to get it. And so when you, when you show them that it is a fruit that comes from this relationship, then we're now turning our eyes on what's really necessary, and that's the relationship, mm. not the fruit. Yeah. I like what you said when you said you don't even realize you're bearing it. Yeah. And, and I, I think we've seen this mostly when a spouse will say, you're different you know, to, their, to their husband or, you know, or to a wife to their husband yeah. or, or verse, vice versa, a husband to a wife who's going through a female journey yeah. group. Yeah. And, and sometimes the participants are shocked because they don't think they're that different, but there's something different about them. Well, it's just, again, it's it's him. Mm-hmm. He makes a difference in us. And we become more accepting, I think, of the flaws in other people because we see our own flaws, right? Mm-hmm. We become more gracious to other people because we live on God's grace. We're desperate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in some ways, we live a little bit of a, of a life of remembrance of how desperate I would be had he not entered my life. I mean, I've been forgiven from every past indiscretion I've had, and, uh, and, I, and I remember some of them even back when I was a child. And, and I think the accuser tried to use that against me to try to tell me that I, was, I could not be loved, and I, I certainly don't deserve God's love, and who do you think you are, right? That's the way the accuser speaks to you, yeah. if you listen to him. Right. But it, it's turned now. And that is when those memories come, it, it's an opportunity for praise. 
and thankfulness and a reflection on, yeah, even then God loved me. Mm -hmm. He gave me his grace. Even then he had a marvelous plan for me. I didn't know what it was, but as I began to focus my eyes on him, he began to show me his plan should be trusted. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know his plan would be have me where I am. I don't, I don't know what his plans are for the next five or ten years, but I just know what Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that I know my plans for you, mm -hmm. and they're good. Yeah, that's right. And and our job is just to take it one day at a time, and that's what abiding looks like. Is just mm -hmm. you know even even with the ministry thinking of ahead, and it's easy to start doing a lot of planning and thinking mm -hmm. we got to do this or that, and and sure we have things we have to. Attend yeah. to, but the most important thing is to stay close to the Lord and see what He's got for us. So I could hear some people right now saying, "Well, wait a minute. Now you sound passive, right? Yeah, right? I mean, you're just sitting here, kind of in this floaty, serendipity <laughs> situation, <laughs> and you think you can sit here and do nothing, and you can really fulfill the great commission. Is that what I'm hearing? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm just not. That's not it yet at all. It's uh, actually." Uh, trying to find a place of empowerment to do the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is the uh, fulfilling the Great Commission is beyond our capability as human beings to do it as Christ wants us to do it. So we better kind of do it the way he said do it. And what was that? He said to his disciples, teach them what I've commanded you. And what's the last thing he commanded them? I mean, come on now. He was just a few days before. He said, "You got to remain in me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to remain. You got to abide." That's right. And and that was the last thing that was, I'm sure, on their mind. I know it was on John's mind. Yeah. Because throughout his lifetime, he he used the word abide constantly. Yeah. But anyway, the 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 point out of that is that we are. You know, we're, we're being developed for the call that God gives us. Uh, sometimes it takes longer for certain people. It was longer for me, but those developmental years were undoing a lot of stuff that misconceptions, the way the wounds I had, the, the, the flesh that was trying to drive it, he had to break it. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, then he remade. And that's what that's what the transformation is all about. It's it transforms us inside out, but it works our into our relationships. It works into our perspective. It works in the way we relate to people, the way people relate to us, and it and it tees it up for fruit. Mm -hmm. And he ends up guiding us into things he wants us to be working on, you know, works, if you will. But I mean, he's got work for us to do. But he, you know, if it comes out of our abiding, it's pure and it may be different than what we thought. And sometimes it's simple. Yeah, it's. In, but again, we go back to it's not passive. No, no. It, in fact, it's, it's extremely <laughs> uh, active faith to be able to wait on the Lord mm -hmm. and uh, and then to be able to follow through with what he's asked us to do. Yeah. Now, the waiting on the Lord is, is being ready to act when the time is right. Yeah. That's what he's ask, asking for us. And it's kind of like faith. You know, there's faith, uh, Brian, that we can have faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We can have faith that, you know, the, in the triune God. We can have faith in all the things that we read about in the Scripture. That's one aspect. But then, then there's another aspect called trust. 
because trust is an active action. It's an action word to trust. One is to have faith, but it's another thing to have trust in what I believe. It's in trust in who I believe. Mm-hmm. It's to have trust to step out and overcome, you know, my doubts or my wavering mm-hmm. to just go ahead and overcome it because I trust him. Mm-hmm. And then that's then he he rewards our trust. He shows us that yeah, he he's he's there. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of uh after leading 17 journey groups, you know, so many, every group's got different groups of guys, different life experiences that happened during the nine month period. And you get to see men see this stuff lived out. Mm-hmm. It's not just theory. They get to see a challenge or something. And then they get to have that boldness that's coming out of their abiding and they conquer their way, their wavering or whatever. Yeah. And you get to hear the story about it, you know, and, and their faith is just so emboldened and, and you see fruit in front of your eyes, you yeah, know, so yeah. it's, it's really awesome. So, well, we're about out of time, Rock. Yeah, we could keep talking about this stuff for days. But. Well, you can relate it back to those good, those men we met with down at our staff conference. And and I think you and I both say that we saw that in them. We're yeah. seeing it coming out of them. And we're seeing it coming out of their ministries because they're, they're reproducing after themselves up in the areas they are. And we believe in the next 20 years, God's going to raise up a lot more men just like them yeah. and women like them. Yeah. He's doing that already, raising up people that uh, who have this heart to go deeper. Right. I want to say one last thing about this. And people, you know, ask us what our plan is. And we say, well, our plan is to do it like Jesus did. And so you say, well, what was his plan? And I, I, I really do believe as I look at that, he spent three years with those 12 men. One of them dropped out. We know. But... If you were to ask Jesus, what's your plan? Because today there's about 2.2 billion people in the world that profess that they're Christians. 2.2 billion. 2,000 years ago, there were 11. And so ask Jesus, well, what's your plan? And he'll turn around and he point to them and say, they're my plan. Mm. And he, and he did what we talk about. He started small. He went deep and he infused in them his spirit. And then they went big. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. That's our plan. Mm. Start small, go deep, pray big, and let him infuse his spirit in us. And we have seen an exponential growth of this ministry from a very small group of people to tens of thousands, and there's no reason why if we will keep doing his plan, there's no no reason why this ministry will not continue to grow exponentially. And there will be hundreds of thousands and millions that will begin to understand what it means to abide in Christ. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Rocky. It's good good having you back uh, to talk about these things. Um, well, this has been the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, we do these every week just to uh, 
to pull wisdom out of Rocky, but also to talk about what's going on in the ministry and just all the things we get to see that you all don't necessarily see out there in, in, in your regions. We see things all over the world. So it's very exciting. So keep praying for the ministry. Keep praying about your part in this ministry. You you are you are this ministry. You guys and gals out there that are abiding and leading journey groups and, and being part of journey groups, you're, you're part of this ministry. So anyway, we're so excited for everything that we're seeing. Anyway, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and uh, I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.